The Old Testament reading for this morning is found in Genesis 17, <clears throat> verses 1 through 7, and also 15 and 16. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And then to verse 15 and 16. God also said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, king of kings, king of peoples will come from her. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle is found in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 11, going through verse, or starting at verse 1 and going through verse 11. Peace and hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Think of that. Just think of that. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here ends the reading. The gospel is found in Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38, and out of respect for the gospel, please rise. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the, and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And here ends the reading. Is this all? Uh, please remain standing for the song.
and God's mercy and his peace, these are yours through our Lord and our Savior Jesus. We're going to look at the New Testament lesson for today from Romans, and I'd like to just read again verse 8 of Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength, our rock, our redeemer, the one who died for us. Amen. So do you ever find yourself at a loss for words? You know, you just don't know what to say? If you're married, think about your spouse. And as you think about your spouse, really, do you have the words that express what you, in your heart for him or for her, are there really the words to capture it? Or if you're a parent or a grandparent and you think of your children or your grandchildren, again, do you have the words to convey what those children mean to you? What, what if someone did something heroic which resulted in, in saving your life? 
You know, when you see that happen in real life, and usually they end up on TV and the news, and they have the, the person who was on the receiving end of the heroism standing next to the hero, and they're hugging and they're thanking them and they're just standing there smiling as all the photos are being taken. And I just have a hunch that really, if you were to ask them in that moment, do they really have the words to say what they want to say to that person that has saved their life? I mean, what if someone died for you? Would you have the words to express what that means? Somebody has. Somebody has died for you. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Do you have the words? I kind of hope that you don't. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when somebody says that they love you, how many times do they have to say it to you before you believe it? Or to put it another way, what does it take for you to believe that someone really loves you after they say that they love you? They usually have to do something more than just say it, don't they? Do you know how many times in the Bible God has said that he loves you? Nobody's actually sat down and, and counted it. There's not an agreement on this in terms of how many times he's actually said it, but this one person indicated that they believe God has said it 310 times in 280 different verses that God loves you. 310. I saw estimates as high as 600. That's a lot of times, isn't it? Listen to some of those times from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Listen to this one. God really knows how to say it. This, this should be on a Hallmark Valentine's card. Isaiah 54, verse 10. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. He really knows how to say it, doesn't he? But do you have a hard time believing what he says? Here's when I have a hard time believing it. It's when I realize that God knows everything about me that there is to know. I'll put it to you this way. I heard the Luthenauer speaker say it this morning. If you knew everything about me that I know about me, you wouldn't be here listening to me. Yeah. Same is true for you. 
he knows everything about you. And I could put it in reverse and say, if I knew everything about you that you know about you, I wouldn't be here talking to you. When I am honest with myself, and all that I've thought, and all the things that I've muttered under my breath, I have a hard time loving myself, let alone believing that God loves me. I think the Apostle Paul found him between those doubts and those thoughts in Romans chapter 7. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. How could God possibly love such a person? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look carefully at what's said. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. He demonstrates it. He doesn't just say it 310 times and hope that we somehow will believe it. He shows it. He gives evidence to it. He demonstrates it. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul's point here is this. We don't just have to take God's word alone. That he loves us. We can look at the evidence. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet a sinner, while you were yet a sinner, while you were still a sinner, while I was yet a sinner, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for you. That means he paid our price. Because of our sin, we deserve to suffer God's judgment. We deserve nothing less than death, an eternal death at that. But Christ took our judgment upon himself on the cross. And he suffered and he died in our place. And Paul insists that this was guided, as he was guided by the Holy Spirit, that we take this as proof that God loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died in our place before we knew that we would want him to do that. He died for us before we had done anything to deserve that. While we were ungodly, God showed his love in that Christ died for us. He died. 
for you. I don't have the words. Do you? You know, if you ever encounter a moment when you doubt God's love for you, remember the cross. The cross is the forever reminder and proof of how great God's love is for you. And if Satan ever comes at you with the lie that God doesn't love you, like he came after Job, if he uses some circumstance in your life to lead you to believe that, if, like Job, he tempts you to curse God and die, if you ever feel that way, remember this truth. If God could love you when you were at your absolute worst, when you were weak and sinful and helpless, if he could love you when you should have been left in your own sinful condition with no hope of rescue, if he could love you when you were in that condition, surely he still loves you now. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember that beautiful passage from Isaiah? For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. He does love you. He died for you. And while in a way I hope that leaves you at a loss for words, I pray it strengthens your faith and your love for your Lord. And I, and I hope that you will find the words to tell someone who doesn't know about this love how much God loves them and that Jesus died for them. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.